Welcome back. This is part three of a four-part series we've called The Romans Road. Uh, we are taking this whole year walk, working our way through the New Testament letters, and uh, we're looking at the book of Romans, and uh, we've decided to take a little bit of a uh, aerial view of probably the most important aspect of the Christian faith, and that is our salvation. Um, how is it that we know God? How is it that we can be assured of a relationship and of eternity with Him? And uh, Paul gives in his letter to the Romans several verses that are very memor memorizable, um, and they are what we affectionately know as the Romans Road. Um, so far, we've taken a look at uh, a couple of the scriptures in a message that we entitled Dead End Road when we looked at really the plight of mankind because of our sin and how it separated us from God. In Romans 3.23 it says, um, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then we uh, looked at uh, Romans 6.23 where it says, the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we find here there's that it was... Uh, a dead-end road for all of humanity because all had sinned and the wages of that sin was death and eternal separation from God. And then last time we uh, took a look at a message that we entitled The Road Less Traveled. And in The Road Less Traveled, um, we looked at uh, Romans 5.8 when he was talking about how, you know, rarely if ever will someone die for a good or for a righteous person, but for sure not for a sinful person. Um, but we find in Romans 5.8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we, uh, we've been walking our way through these scriptures. Um, and today we're going to be looking at a message that I've entitled The Roadmap. The Roadmap. Um, do you remember back in the day when uh, pretty much anyone who traveled would have a road atlas uh, probably in their trunk or in some strategic place in their car because you wouldn't set out on a trip without one. You needed to know where you were going. A road atlas was so valuable. You could flip through, find the state you're going to. You could see all the major roads and some minor roads and you knew how to get places and um, it was so important. And and I can remember when I was in college, a group of our friends, along with Danita, my wife now, um, we uh, headed out on a spring break road trip from Dallas, Texas, all the way up to Spearfish, South Dakota. And when I think about a group of 19 or 20 year olds um, heading out on a road trip, back in the day before there was GPS and all of the other tools that we have today that we take for granted, um, it's kind of a mind boggling thing how capable we were just by looking at a map and uh, making our way across the country. And we had a great time. In fact, it was on that trip. Um, Danita and I had just made the decision to become a couple. Um, we were just fresh and brand new with this decision to love each other. And uh, we actually held each other's hand on that trip. It was quite a, quite a trip and very memorable. So I want to uh, take a look here at a... Um, a passage of scripture that um, is very popular and uh, very important for us in our uh, understanding of how is it that we uh, discover a relationship with Christ. 
Um, and Romans 10, 9 through 13 reads this way, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, we've entitled this message Roadmap because these verses really give a, a distinct um, description of how a person comes to faith and what they say, what they do, what they believe um, in order to establish a relationship with God. Of course, we know that it's only because Jesus died on the cross, only because he rose from the dead, that we have a hope of salvation. But here we find a little bit of a, a, of a piece of what part we play in this relationship with God. And I want to take a look at this roadmap, um, these scriptures that really show us the way um, to establish a relationship with the Lord from our end. Um, have you ever heard of a waypoint? Um, a waypoint is a stopping place on a journey. Um, so maybe if there's a race going on, there's a point where in which the, the waypoint is a stopping point where all the teams will stop there and then they'll head out maybe the next day on the next leg of the journey. It's a waypoint. I want to expand that definition just a little bit um, for the sake of the message and that is that a waypoint is a mandatory observation point. It's a, it's a place where you have to stop and you have to take a look at the scenery. And here today, I have got three waypoints that we find in Romans 10, 9 through 13, that are going to help us understand um, really our part in establishing a relationship with the Lord. What are the waypoints? And so waypoint number one today is this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Um, that, that's a, a part of the verses we read. Whoever, key word there is whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, it says. And really, this is the eligibility part of our um, faith. The uh, Who's able, who's eligible for this relationship with God? Um, Romans 10, 11 through 13 says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call on him for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You heard this uh, word, whoever and who will call. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. And we find out what is the eligibility to know the Lord? Who is eligible? Now, eligibility is a consistent question mark in a couple different areas of society. Um, you've probably faced that word eligibility a few times. Eligibility to play that sport, eligibility to apply for that job, eligibility for this and for that. And really, in our society, we find a lot of them. Uh, maybe for a scholarship, you want to go to college. College, and there'll be certain criteria to make certain individuals 
eligible for that scholarship or maybe for health insurance you're good or life insurance you've got to go through some tests and answer some questions and put in your age and put in your weight and all this kind of stuff for them to determine if you're going to be eligible for life insurance or health insurance um, maybe when you're going to get car insurance they're going to look at your driving record and find out if you're eligible for um, that insurance um, maybe if you're applying for a job they're going to look at your education, your schooling, your experience. Um, are you eligible? There's all kinds of special interest groups and special rights groups. And um, right now in our society, there's a move to protect minority groups, groups that are not sitting in the majority, but rather are in the minority. And there's all kinds of things that uh, allow for certain privileges and uh, helps for those who are in minority groups. Um, do I look right? Do I belong right? Do I identify correctly to be eligible to be in that group? group or for that certain money or for that certain privilege or that certain right. In most societies, you're better off if you're in the majority, but at this point in America, you might find yourself better off if you're in a minority because of this movement to include and to give leg up to those who maybe are at a disadvantage. Now, the question is, is who's in and who's out when you're trying to answer the question of eligibility? Who's in and who's out? Um, Jesus faced this uh, head on when he was talking to a woman at the well. You might remember the story from John chapter 4. And Jesus is going to draw water and he's by himself. And there's this woman who lives in this um, part of the area in Samaria where there was a, a group of people that really felt like they didn't belong anywhere. They were a half-breed group of people that were partially Jewish and partially Gentile. And this group didn't feel like they belonged. They didn't feel like they were eligible. And there was this conversation between this woman and Jesus about eligibility. And here we find uh, this conversation. I'm going to start reading in verse 19 of John 4 where it says, The woman said to him, to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither um, on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. He really in this conversation is opening the door and trying to erase this line of eligibility that keeps people from being ineligible um, to worship God and to know Him. And He was the one who opened a door for who Whoever, whoever would call on the name of the Lord. It was Jesus who was making a bridge across that line of ineligibility. Um, we also find another time um, later on after Jesus had already died and rose and went back to heaven. And now um, there, the church is emerging and Peter... He has this vision about this sheet coming down. And in this sheet, there's all kinds of unclean animals. And an angel says to him, rise and eat. And he's like, no, I'm not going to eat that. I've never been allowed, nor will I eat that unclean meat. And 
And there, there's this commandment really from the Lord that says, what I have called clean, you shall not call unclean. And that's when Peter understood that the Lord was opening the door, not only for Jews to know God, but for all to know God. In fact, I want to read a couple verses in Acts 10 um, on the on the um, heels of this vision when it says, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go with another person to, um, of another nation. And here he, Peter's talking to Cornelius, a Gentile who's called for him. And it says, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then for what reason have you sent for me? Skipping to verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You see, eligibility is an issue that Jesus dealt with. Eligibility is a consistent question mark also in everyone's personal mental space. Um, within your own heart, your own mind, you might be asking this question, am I allowed? Um, you face that in all kinds of scenarios or situations, such as the ones we've already mentioned before, and you just have this personal battle, am I accepted? Am I acceptable in that group of people? Am I acceptable in that setting? Am I accepted in that church? Um, am I accepted by God? Um, and you might have put up in front of God some of these barriers that you have in your own mental space that says, God wouldn't accept me. Um, I've done too much wrong. I've said too many things I shouldn't. I've hurt too many people. My sin is too great. These become walls that we put up in our own mind that says, I'm ineligible for a relationship with God. Maybe you've heard of someone say, if I walk in that church, lightning will strike me. Um, these are this, this is all a battle within the mind that says there's walls of ineligibility and I am disqualified. But Jesus' work on the cross satisfied the eligibility question because he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that's a waypoint. That's a point on this map that I want for you to pause and observe when you wonder what, what, what little uh, mindsets of ineligibility have held you back from God so far. Here's another waypoint. Waypoint number two in the scripture. Believe in your heart. Um, this is a, uh, really the private part of this journey to a relationship with the Lord. You see, we, once we've satisfied the eligibility question in our mind, now we've moved to two different things that are kind of related. And the first part is this part that happens within a person, the private part, the part that goes on internally. Because it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with a heart, one believes unto righteousness. You see, a person believes inside of his or her heart. Remember that causal core of the person is your heart. I'm not talking about your beating heart that pushes blood around your body. I'm talking about that, that inside part of you, that very intimate part of you, the thing that makes you you, your personality and all of that. That's you. That's your heart. And it's within that that you believe. Um, and I want to kind of so we talk about this waypoint that we've got to stop and observe to get to this waypoint for you to come to this place of belief inside. There's a few little pit stops, minor points that you're going to stop at as you are making your way to faith. 
um, as it's taking a, a reality within your life. The first is the point of revelation. Maybe this is that point when you've understood God or you've read something in the Bible or you've come to this place and you say, I understand this. It's something that takes place in your mind. All of a sudden, this makes sense. Um, Oprah Winfrey made the phrase aha moment popular back in the day. And people use an aha statement to say, aha, I finally get it. And uh, that's when you say this makes sense. Now, just because something makes sense to you doesn't mean it's yours. It doesn't mean that you believe it. It doesn't mean that you own it. It just means that it made sense to you. That's a pit stop along the way. But then at some point, you have this point of becoming convinced where you say, this is true. Not only does it make sense, but it's true. However, this is still all going on in your head. It's not something you own. You say, I understand this. You say... This is a, a point that this makes sense. But then there's that third point, and that's the point of acknowledging it. A point where you say, this is for me. Not only does it make sense, not only is it true, but this is mine. This is mine to believe. This is for me. So this is kind of little minor stops that we take when we are coming to a place of belief in our heart. And this is a very important thing that we need to come to a place in in our, in our way of salvation is that we own this revelation. We own this understanding. But what is it that we're Believing. What is it that is so important to believe? Well, we need to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. That's what the scripture just says. If you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, this is very specific thing that you need to come to the belief on if you are going to know God. And this is where religions part ways. This is where this is what separates out our faith as Christians from every other religion in the world. And there is quite a movement to say, as long as you believe in something, as long as you've got some sort of a, of a guiding light in your life, then that's all that you need to be successful in this life and in the next life. But I believe that Jesus is very specific when he is commanding us to come to this belief and this owning that Jesus was raised from the dead. You see, most all the religions have a holy book. We have a Bible, our Bible. Mormons have a, a book they call. The Jehovah's Witnesses have a book. The, the Muslims have a book. And every other religion, they've got their own holy book. Um, all the religions usually have a higher power or a, a higher being that they put their hope in. Um, all, all religions, for the most part, have a set of ethics or a set of morals. Most all religions have an afterlife experience. They all have prophets or teachers or leaders from the past and even from the present. They all have leaders who died when they look back throughout their history or in their holy books. They've got people who died. But only Christianity has a God who died and was rose again with historical proof. There might be other religions that want a claim of some resurrection, but only Jesus proved that he walked this earth, that he lived a sinless life, and that he rose again from the dead.
You see, the resurrection is what's necessary for the wages of sin to be paid for and the consequences of sin. The consequences of sin, of course, being separation from God, being hell, being that which will um, that we talked about in the dead end road part of this um, series. And it needed to be dealt with by Jesus' blood and his resurrection. You see, believing in God is not enough. A lot of people believe in God. Most of America believes in God. Um, believing in a historical figure named Jesus is not enough. You might say, oh, I believe in Jesus. You know what, friends? That's not enough. Believing in right and wrong, that's not enough. Uh, believing that the Bible has answers, it's not enough. Believing in miracles and that the Bible stories um, are there and maybe even real, that's not enough. Believing that a church that you go to speaks the truth. You might say, well, I'm a member at Rochester Life or I go to this church over here, that one over there, and they believe the truth. Friends, that's not enough for you. What you have to do is you've got to personally believe and own in the death and resurrection of Jesus as the only way to be saved. This is what you are called to do. This is what it means to believe that you own that truth that Jesus rose from the dead. That's a waypoint that you need to stop and analyze. What do I believe about the resurrection of Jesus? Is it mere history? Is it mere fiction? Or do you own it? Is it everything you put your hope in? Well, there's other, one other waypoint we find in Romans chapter 10, and that is the confess with your mouth part. This is the public part. We've just talked about the private part, the thing that happens inside of you, believing in the resurrection. But now we find here that Jesus also talks about a public part to our faith. It's a confessing with your mouth. Let me read a few verses here. First, I want to read the Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, skipping to verse 10, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, your mouth, your verbal um, output is very necessary here in this road, this road to salvation on this roadmap. Your mouth is a part of it. And what are we talking about? What if there's someone who can't speak? What if there's someone who can't physically get words out of their mouth? That's very possible. I'm not so much talking about that you have to do it with your mouth. However, confession outward is critical. Um, it says in Matthew 10, 32 and through 33, it says, whoever confesses me before men, him, I will also confess before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. Jesus is very specific how important it is that we are people who confess, who brag about, who talk about Jesus. We talk about his work. We talk about his life. Life. We talk about the relationship that we have, but if we are deniers of Jesus, if we're deniers of that relationship with him, it says he'll deny us before the father. Let's read what it says in Mark 16 verses 15 and 16. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Of course, the ministers in this are to be preaching and that's going to require their mouth. And it says, he who believes the private part, and is baptized 
The public part will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Here in this verse, this is the commandment. This is the great commission. And Jesus is saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And as these people are coming to Christ, there's going to be two things that happen. There's going to be a believing inside, and there's going to be a baptism. That is a mechanism. It's a formal mechanism where people publicly confess their faith. It's a profession of faith. Um, that's why we believe that baptism is something that happens a little later in life after someone has a chance to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior with some level of understanding. And they then profess their faith. They confess it. It's a public part of a person's faith. I want to read what Acts chapter 2 has to say about this. Verses 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. These are people who heard the gospel. They said they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we supposed to do now that we're cut to the heart, now that we're convinced of our sin? It says, Then Peter said to them, Repent, inward part, that means turn, and let every one of you be baptized, the public part, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of this Holy Spirit. And then verse 39 says, For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who, all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You see, there's a reason why the Lord wants for our mouth to be involved, our confession, the public part of our faith, because He's building a kingdom. He's, he's on a mission for all to be saved, whomever to be saved. Remember, the eligibility part's been taken care of. Now he puts within us this desire, this passion, this calling, this mandate that not only are we saved, but our children are saved. The people around us are saved. This is a key to the roadmap of a relationship with Christ. You see, the book of Acts is filled with many instances of people taking the step of publicly professing their faith in Christ through baptism. I, I just took a brief look. I, I put the word baptized in my, my word search in the Bible and Acts was filled, baptized, this chapter, that chapter, this chapter. It was critical when the church was forming. Why? Because it was all about public profession of this new found faith. What does confession do? What does profession do? Well, one, it solidifies your faith. It's amazing what happens when you speak out to another person a decision, a choice, a, a change that you're about to make. Um, it solidifies it. Even when you hear yourself talking, you become more convinced of it. So it solidifies your faith. God knew that when he encouraged us not only to believe, but to confess our faith. Um, we also find that it invites other people into our journey. Come alongside. When we confess our faith, we invite others to come alongside. And how important that is. A community that grows together. You've got other brothers and sisters around you that are also growing in their faith. You're a part of that community when you confess your faith. Um, it brings accountability into your life. People that care about you. When they see things not right in your life and they come alongside you in love and they hold you accountable to the things of God. And then multiplication is the way of the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus is all about seeing more and more and more people come to Christ. And we are a part of that incredible journey. So, so here's the conclusion I want for us to consider here today. When we look at this roadmap, this 
this roadmap of figuring out how to have a relationship with God. And we analyze these different waypoints. For most of us, a roadmap um, can be a little bit confusing for a moment till we can find our bearing on the map. Well, where am I at? Um, we were just up at a state park and we uh, had this map that had all the trails and this little diagram and we were, oh, now where are we at? What intersection are we at? And it can be a little bit overwhelming at first when you're trying to get your bearing on a map. But the thing that's intended to bring clarity the thing that's intended to give you a direction and helps you know where you're at, at first can seem overwhelming. And you know what? Perhaps the Christian faith has been a little bit confusing to you. You've tried to figure out where you land on it or what you think about it or how, uh, you know, that experience at that, you know, kids camp, you know, 25 years ago, how did that impact my faith or how that person that said they were a Christian, but they cheated and they lied and they were mean to their friends or whatever it might be. All this stuff is, is, is in our lives and it turns into a confusing mess when you're trying to figure out. What's this Jesus thing all about? What's this church thing all about? Most of us have a disoriented view when we're first trying to figure out this whole God thing. But I want to help you to discover the simplicity of God's love for you and the simplicity of His direction in establishing a relationship with you. Uh, first of all, which waypoints have tripped you up the most? Which of these three waypoints have been in your way the most? The, the, the first is the eligibility part. Has that? Have you wondered if you are even qualified for a relationship with God? Uh, maybe it's been the private part. This, do I really believe this thing? Is it true inside of my heart? Do I really own this truth about Jesus being raised from the dead? Or maybe it's the public part. Maybe you've been hesitant. You know, you really do believe in Jesus. But man, you've, you've been kind of afraid to come out. You've been kind of afraid to let others know about it. You've been a little nervous about what you're going to group you're going to be tied in with, what group you're going to be identified with. I don't want to look like that crazy group that I've always, uh, you know, been afraid to be with. Um, what part is it that's been a, a, a stumbling block for you? I want to encourage you to analyze and to lay before God all three of these waypoints and 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 say, Lord, which one of these things have been most difficult for me in my journey to you? And and really, which one has been a difficult journey for the people around me? Which one can I bring greater clarity to someone else who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? As we pray today, would you analyze these three waypoints in light of God's Word and in light of where you've been so far? Father, I thank you so much that you came and you made a way. You gave this incredible roadmap for us to follow, for us to um, put in front of us, oh Lord, that we could find a way to know you. First of all, Lord, you you paid the price. You, you came to this earth, you lived a sinless life, you died a brutal death, and all the sins of mankind were put upon you, Lord. But you didn't stay dead, you came alive again, Lord. You rose from the dead. And Lord, it's because of this truth that we've got this opportunity, Lord, to come to this place where we determine our eligibility. We come to this place where we believe in our hearts and we come to this place where we profess our faith. And Lord, this is what you're looking for. This is what you want. You want for us to put a, um, our, our hope and our trust in you alone. You're wanting for us to, to put a belief, oh Lord, that you are the way and the truth and the life and that no one will come to you, oh God, except through this understanding of Jesus 
Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I thank you for the way that you paid the penalty for my sin. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that anyone who's listening right now, who's turning to you, God, that you would show yourself so real. Lord God, that they would discover that this um, direction on this roadmap to a relationship with you, Lord, is, is no longer confusing because, God, there has been an enemy of their soul that's trying to keep this roadmap all confused, all, all jumbled up in their brain. Um, there's been so many things that have happened in their lives, Lord, that have really muddied the waters, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you're bringing clarity right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.